Hey, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 50. 50 episodes. I feel I should have done something special today to celebrate. I'm really quite satisfied with the thought that I have persevered over the last year and a bit and actually recorded 50 episodes. Yeah, I've come a long way from my very first episode when I really had no idea of what I was doing. I didn't certainly didn't think that I'd still be here over a year later. And before I go any further, I'd just like to thank people who have been listening to my podcast. I've really enjoyed making them and I really appreciate the people who have stopped by my blog to encourage me to keep on going. Thank you. I would like to think that I am about to start my next 50 episodes, that I shall be podcasting for another year or so. But this morning, when I was thinking about making this podcast, I couldn't come up with a single idea to talk about. Yet my brain felt dead. I felt uninspired. Have I said everything I possibly could say about unschooling? I couldn't think of anything at all. I don't want to get to the point where I'm repeating myself and becoming boring and that people will stop listening and I think, well, what's the point of recording podcasts which aren't interesting at all? But before I actually pulled the plug on the whole thing, I thought, look, I'll send out a cry for help. Perhaps somebody on Facebook has some ideas about what I could podcast about. So that's what I did. And quite a few of my friends stopped by with all kinds of ideas. And I'm using some of those ideas today. I'm going to be talking about those times when we lack inspiration. Not just for podcasting and writing maybe, but also in our unschooling lives, our family lives. Do we always wake up feeling excited about life? Is life one great big discovery? Or do we sometimes get up and life feels a bit flat? We feel uninspired? Or maybe our children do. How do we cope with that? Do we keep trusting that things will get better? Or are we tempted to change tracks, go in a different direction, give up our unschooling lives? So that's what I'll be talking about. I hope that I can make some sort of sense on that topic. Before I start talking about inspiration or lack of inspiration, I just want to say a few words about Facebook. If you have been following my blog or my podcasts, you'll know that I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook more hate recently. I closed my Facebook pages a few weeks ago. It all became a bit overwhelming and I decided that I didn't need Facebook. I could do without it. And I've been concentrating on building up my Pinterest boards, which I feel are more useful than Facebook pages. And I've really been enjoying that. But this week, I missed Facebook. I didn't think I'd say that, but I have. Facebook is a place where I can drop in and have a quick chat with somebody. There's always somebody online. If I post something, it doesn't take very long for someone to respond. I also missed having somewhere that I could post little snippets of information, things I found out and I want to share with everybody, like an interesting resource, a link to some article or other, 
just a tiny little bit of news, a photo, that type of thing. And it doesn't really seem worth writing a whole blog post to share those little snippets of family life and unschooling resources. And so I thought, if I had a Facebook page, still, I could just log in and I could post that link and I could share that. That would be useful. So the other day, I was really tempted to bring back my Facebook pages, Back from the Dead. Should I do it? Should I not? I thought of all the problems associated with Facebook pages, promoting them, uh, getting Facebook to actually put your posts in followers' feeds, because there's no guarantee that whatever I put on my Facebook page will actually be seen by the people that have liked my page. Then I decided I'd just post on my timeline a question to all my friends, ask their opinion. Should I bring back my Facebook pages or perhaps I could post things to do with unschooling on my personal timeline? I was a bit worried that all my friends would get fed up with unschooling things appearing in their feed. I'm supposed to be their friend, not uh, somebody pushing unschooling all the time. But it seems like most of my friends like unschooling or at least recognize that unschooling is a big part of my life. And so all the friends that stop by say, go for it, Sue, post unschooling things and anything you want on your personal timeline. That's quite okay. So that's what I've been doing. And I've been enjoying that, getting back into contact with some of my friends. And that's what I did this morning. I posted help. Episode 50 of my podcast might be my farewell podcast because I can't think of anything to talk about. Anybody have any ideas? So, yes, this podcast comes courtesy of all my lovely Facebook friends. So I was lacking in inspiration this morning. My brain felt dead. I couldn't come up with a single exciting idea. This happens to me periodically when I'm writing. One day, I can have a million ideas I want to write about. I feel so enthusiastic. I love blogging, love writing. And then one day I'll wake up and all that inspiration, all that excitement will have disappeared. I might have a notebook full of ideas that I've jotted down over the past few weeks and not one single one of them sounds interesting to me on that particular day. I don't want to write about any of them. And if I make myself write about one of them, my words are heavy, they plod along, and I think, who wants to read this post? I don't like it. Nobody else will like it either. And so, even though I have written the post, I won't publish it. I then start to panic. Will I ever write an interesting blog post again? I begin to feel that I've lost my inspiration for life. I can't write anymore, and so I keep on trying. I'll try another topic, try it from a different angle, and the more I try, the worse it gets. Trying doesn't solve the problem. I begin to think, my blogging days are over, it's time for me to move on. Perhaps I'm meant to move on. Perhaps it's something more exciting for me to do than writing and blogging, and I'm ready to go out there and find my next direction in life. A few times I've got to this stage and I've actually written a farewell blog post. Thank you so much for reading all my blog posts over the past few years. I've appreciated your support and I'm going to miss you. And I've published it and people have stopped by. Oh, we're going to miss you too, Sue. And 
a couple of times I've even deleted my blog at that stage. That stage of my life is over completely. But it doesn't take very long. A few days maybe, or maybe even only a day. And I begin to regret my decision. Suddenly I want to write again. And I think, I've just written my farewell blog post. And now I want to go back to my blog. And I think, oh, well, it's my blog. And if everybody has disappeared, I just have to put up with that. But I feel a need to write. I suddenly feel inspired again. Even if nobody is going to read my posts, I've got to go back and write. Yes, inspiration has returned. It does that just as quickly as it disappears. Thankfully, I have learnt not to write too many farewell blog posts. And certainly, I'm never going to delete my blog on the spur of the moment ever again. I lost my blog for a while after I did that last time. Well, my blog was still there, but it was at the wrong address. I lost my uh, custom domain URL. It took me a lot of work, a lot of time to get it back again. So I vowed that I would never, ever do that. It doesn't matter how down I feel about writing, how uninspired. The answer is not to delete my blog and not to write farewell blog posts. Because I recognize this is a cyclic thing. What I should do is just remember that I'm in a phase where I'm not feeling inspired. But things will get better. It always does. All I have to do is sit it out. While I'm sitting it out, the best thing to do is to go away, do something else. Not to sit at the keyboard, plugging away. But to go and have a run. Go and read some books. Go and chat to somebody. Go and do my knitting. Go sew something. Watch some TV or some DVDs. Do anything but write. Or if I'm going to write, don't write blog posts. Go write in my diary, my journal. Go and do some experimental writing. Write just for me, but not for the public. And while I'm doing all that, I begin to relax. I'm gathering new ideas. All these ideas are being stored away. And then one day when I least expect it, all of a sudden inspiration hits and I want to run to my computer and start writing again. I've got the perfect idea for a blog post. And I sit down and I write it. I just hope somebody's still out there that wants to read it. I made a few notes today about this podcast after I was chatting online with my friends. And there is one other thing on this list that I could do during those uninspired times. I wrote down that I could clean the house. I think I would have to feel pretty desperate to want to go and clean the house. But... One of my friends did suggest that I talk about decluttering. And this is something that I have failed on. I want to declutter my life, starting with my house. And I make attempts to do it, but I haven't got very far. So I'm no expert on decluttering. But I do think that if I decluttered my house during an uninspired period, I think that that would be very freeing, that that would create space would uh, make order out of the bad feelings that I'm having. And it might be a good thing to do. And my friend had a book that she wanted to recommend, and it sounds very interesting. It's called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, The Japanese Art of Decluttering, and it's by Marie Kondo. So I guess that's something else that could make us feel better. When we do clean up, rearrange the house, There are good after-effects of all that, and they can lift our moods and maybe put the magic back into our lives.
So after one of my uninspired writing phases, I'm back writing again. The crisis is over. I'm all excited, and that's it. Life goes on at a hectic pace again. I enjoy myself until the next crisis hits, and I've been through that cycle so many times that really I do need to just trust things will get better. I think that word trust. Somebody mentioned that word on Facebook. We do have to trust. That the phase we're going through is temporary, and we'll come out of it in time. It may not seem very important whether we come out of a writing、uh, low period or not, but when our whole lives can feel uninspired, that's a totally different thing. I spent a long time talking about writing, not because everybody writes like I do, though I, I do know a lot of my friends do, but because I think there are similarities between our writing lives and our ordinary lives. Sometimes we can get up in the morning and just feel very uninspired, very flat. The day seems a bit grey. Does this sound a bit unbelievable for unschoolers? Don't we all? Rush out of bed every morning, eager to explore the world. Yet、yeah, we have the whole world to explore, and we have the time to do it. We can do whatever we like with our lives. Isn't life an exciting journey from one end of the day to the next, day after day after day? Well, it sounds like it should, but it isn't always that way. Some days life does seem very ordinary. And I don't know why. I know sometimes I'm just tired, wake up, and I haven't had enough sleep. And I think in those times, it's good to take a break, to be easy on ourselves. I think our children have those times as well. If life has been very busy, it's good to stop and spend some time at home. Maybe. I've talked before about how excitement for learning can disappear, what it appears to, for a time. I've written blog posts and spoken in podcasts about my daughter Charlotte, who is eighteen, and Sophie, who is fourteen, who both had quiet times when they didn't seem interested in their usual passions. Actually, they didn't seem interested in much at all. They didn't look very productive. I could easily have said, "What are you doing? Haven't you got anything interesting to do? You must do something." It can be very exciting watching a child involved with a passion. I think this is one of the privileges of an unschooled parent. But it's not so good when our children are in a period where they seem to be sitting around doing not much at all. Maybe we start to worry: Will they ever get back on track? Will inspiration come back to them? Will they get excited about learning once again? Or will it be like this forever? I guess it's a bit like when I'm can't write, when I feel like I've lost the ability to write, and I wonder whether I will ever get it back. But just like writing, I think the spark for learning does return. If we leave our children alone and just let them have that quiet period, they come out of it on their own. Perhaps they need that quiet time. Perhaps we all need quiet times when we're not appearing to do much at all. It could be a time when we're processing what we have already learnt before moving on to something new. 
maybe it's just a, a matter of getting to the stage where we are fed up with what we're doing. We're feeling bored. I think a lot of people talk about the word bored as if it's something very negative. But I've done some reading about boredom. And a lot of people think that being bored is actually an advantage. It spurs us on to further creativity. I don't think any of us like feeling bored. It's not a very pleasant feeling at all. And eventually we'll go looking for something that will capture our imaginations once again. We'll go looking for new things to get involved with. Or maybe we'll go back to our old passions, but go back to them with renewed vigour. Maybe taking new ideas with us when we go back and get involved in those passions. Just sitting quietly when we're bored and thinking about things, letting our minds wander, looking like we're doing nothing much at all. Perhaps we just need thinking time. But as I said, it's very difficult to watch our children going through such periods. Our trust might disappear. I think it's very easy to trust when our kids are obviously learning. We don't really have to trust. We can see their learning. It's very, very evident. But can we trust? Can we relax when they're seemingly doing nothing much at all? I guess when we've been around the cycle a few times, we start to see a pattern. And it is much easier just to live through those times and, yeah, not get worried, but to trust. I've been thinking what it'd be like if our children race through life being productive all the time. What if we pushed them to always be doing things and we expected them to be doing amazing things every single day of their lives? I don't think it would take very long for them to get very tired. I'm getting tired just thinking about that. And maybe subconsciously unschoolers do push kids to be amazing it's a topic that is quite popular on the internet at the moment. We hear so many wonderful stories of so many fantastic things that unschooling children are doing, young unschooling children. And perhaps we feel that our unschooling children ought to be doing the same sort of things as well. If only we encouraged them along and pushed them to fulfill their potential, they could be doing similar things. And that's our job. Maybe what we should really be doing is letting our children be who they are right now. Not pushing them forward, but letting them enjoy living life today in the way that they want to. And that includes having quiet times, thinking times, and these are important. Now, of course, family life itself can feel uninspiring at times. Not just our individual children's lives or my life, but family life as a whole. Are we all drifting apart? Are we not enjoying our time together anymore? Perhaps we're not making enough time to spend with each other. We might have got too involved with our individual projects. We might be letting things slip, loosening those family bonds that I like to talk about. I think it can be good to stop every now and then and reassess. And if we find that things aren't quite as we'd like, make some plans to change things. Could we be doing some of those things together that we say that we'd like to do, but we never actually get around to doing? Perhaps we need a change in our routine. Maybe we need to get away from home 
This is what we did the last school holidays, and that was absolutely fantastic. Get away from the routine of home life with all its housework and its internet, the telephone, things like that. Perhaps we just need a change in what we are actually doing. Are we doing too many outside activities? Perhaps we've forgotten to stop at the park for ice cream occasionally. We're too busy rushing home from the shops, say. Things don't have to be expensive, don't have to be time-consuming to add a little bit of spark into family life. Doing things as a family, I always find exercising together is a wonderful thing, but can we challenge ourselves in other ways? Find things that we can work on together. I haven't given you any ideas whatsoever because I think all our families are different, but we can all ask ourselves those types of questions when we feel our family life isn't all it should be and sit down together and make some plans to put a bit of spark back into life. I think the same thing applies to married life too. Things need working on. We need to put a bit more effort in sometimes and we can get lazy. one more big thing I would like to talk about before I finish my podcast and that is my son Thomas. His birthday is on Monday. So I'm recording this on Friday but by the time I publish this it will be his birthday, his 16th birthday. Now Thomas only lived for a day so in a few days time we will be celebrating not only his birthday but his death day as well. Now thinking of Thomas reminds me of times when we wake up and the world isn't just grey, it's actually black. Our whole world has changed and it feels like it's never ever going to be the same again. We're not merely bored or uninspired and usually some crisis has happened, something we can't control and so we feel we can't do anything about it. It's not a matter of going off and doing something else just waiting for that period to be over. No, when I was grieving after Thomas died, I didn't just say, look, time will heal all things. All I have to do is trust and just wait. It wasn't like that at all. That's the sort of thing that people say. But I thought that the weight of the grief that was pressing down on me was going to crush me. It was going to destroy me completely. I couldn't see myself surviving. And if I did survive, I thought that I would never, ever be happy again. I would be leading a joyless existence for the rest of my life. It was the first time ever that I felt that I couldn't help myself. The situation was out of my control. And after a time, I knew that the only way I was going to survive, the only person who could help me, was God. It's hard to admit that we can't help ourselves. We like to be in control, I think. And in the end, I just had to trust that God would heal my heart and bring me through the grief. That he would bring joy back to my life. So every day, for months, I just got out of bed in the morning when I really wanted to stay there all curled up and not face the day. I got out of bed and plodded through all the things that I had to do. I made myself eat and take care of my children, wash clothes, shop, do all the ordinary things of life, things that had to be done. And at the end of the day, I would go to bed early, fall into my bed and be grateful 
that their day had finally come to an end. I survived one more day. And that was something to be thankful for. I'd survived the day. Even if I couldn't find anything else to be thankful for, I was always thankful when my head hit the pillow, knowing I'd lived through another grief-filled day. And I think when we do have grey times and inspired times, it's always good to look for things to be thankful about. Look for the blessings. What saved me during that time was my children. They needed me. They loved me. There were things I had to do for them, so I had to keep on going. And so, as I said, I put one foot in front of the other, and I kept on going, and I came through the other side. Now, as I said, Thomas's birthday is on Monday, 9th of November, and this is the very first time, really, that I have thought about the birthday. Well, to be honest, the thought has entered my mind a few times over the last few weeks, and I've pushed it away. I haven't wanted to think about it. I should have bought him a teddy bear by now because I buy him a bear on his birthday. It's a tradition. I was going to order one online a couple of weeks ago, but I just didn't want to get online and have a look at bears and think about birthdays and death days. I guess I'm reluctant to face the annual grief because even after 16 years, it still does hurt. I think that I've wanted to delay going into the grief zone as I think about it. The thought has entered my mind, perhaps I can just treat Monday as any other day. Make it an ordinary day. Let's not think of it as Thomas's birthday. Let's ignore it. Perhaps I can get through the anniversary and not be brought low by the grief. Can I avoid the grief by doing that? A couple of weeks after Thomas died, I remember being tired of grieving, and it had only been a couple of weeks. And I knew that months and months and months of grief extended before me. How was I going to survive it all? Already, I was exhausted by it. And one evening, when Andy and I were sitting quietly together after the kids had gone to bed, I suddenly got up. I was angry, very upset. I just ran round the room, collecting up all his sympathy cards and all his things, like his clothes and photos, and I thrust them all into a box and shoved them into the cupboard. And I said, perhaps if I pretend that he wasn't born, the grief will go away. It might sound terrible, wanting to forget a child that I'd just given birth to. I didn't want to think about him. I just wanted things to go back to normal. Perhaps I could do that by putting him out of my mind. I soon found out that we can hide things and we can pretend, but our hearts know better. Our hearts will never let us forget, because love doesn't disappear as easily as photos. So I know that even if I pretend that Monday is an ordinary day, if my head tells me that, my heart won't agree, and so I can't pretend. And in some ways I don't want to pretend. I do love Thomas very much. And this is my birthday gift to him. We do the, our traditions every year. We show him that he is still special to us. I'm willing, really, to go through that grief for him because he's worth it. Because I love him very much. I always think it's strange how love doesn't disappear. People who have never grieved, I think, think that we'll forget. That we didn't have Thomas very long. How could we have got attached? How could we love him so much? 
and it has been strange that over the years that love hasn't disappeared at all or weakened. It has only got stronger and stronger. I'm coming to the end of episode 50 of my podcast. I'd like to thank my friends for their ideas. I don't know if I interpreted their ideas as they imagined. And I'm, there are some other ideas in the list that I copied off my Facebook post, which I'm going to use in further podcasts. I'll keep them for another day when I'm feeling equally uninspired. It's wonderful to have friends, isn't it? Help you through the flat periods of our lives. Now, I didn't share any resources today, though I did share that book about decluttering. I'll put that link in the podcast notes. But if you are looking for some resources, you could go over to Pinterest and have a look at my boards. They're really getting quite big now. I'm really enjoying hopping around the internet and looking at other people's pins and adding to my own boards. I'm feeling really inspired about maths at the moment because I've been pinning a lot of things and I'm hoping that my girls will feel inspired when they see them. I hope they're not going to groan and think, oh, look, all those pins. We've got to look at all those videos mum's found and uh, yeah, follow up all the, that other information. I hope they're going to feel very excited about maths when they see them. Not that they're going to actually look at my boards this week or maybe not even next week because it is NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month, and they haven't actually been doing an awful lot except write their novels, heads in their computers for hours each day as their word counts mount. I do have a few blog posts on this topic though. I could hunt them out and share the links. So if you'd like to go over to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, uh, I will put all that into a blog post. As I said, I'm back on Facebook on my timeline, my personal timeline. I usually post most of my things on there as public. So if you'd like to follow that or even if you'd like to be a friend, please come over to Facebook. Have I ever mentioned that I'm on YouTube? I have a channel with quite a few videos. I keep meaning to make a few more and I might get around to that over the Christmas holidays. Apart from that, you can find me on iTunes and Podbean. So please come visit my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. And if you have any ideas for future podcasts, I would be most pleased to hear them. Please stop by my blog and leave me a comment. So until next time, which hopefully will be next week, trust, respect, and love unconditionally. Mm-hmm.